Welcome to the Tea Grannies. I'm Elise. And I'm Maria. Today we're here to talk about where to start when you want to get published. This episode will focus on preparing what you need for traditional publishing. So pour yourself a cup of tea and let's get started. Disclaimer, neither of us are traditionally published yet, but we've been through this process before, so we are, I don't know, arrogantly, confidently telling you that, you know, we know a few things. So pretty qualified. <laughs> uh, yeah. So if you're in a position where you've completed your manuscript, it's a whole draft, you've edited your manuscript... You've been through rounds of feedback and all that stuff. That's all well and good. Um, But then you want to get published. You want people to read the thing that you wrote beyond just your friends and family who tell you, oh, it's great. And that's another monster altogether. So we know how hard it is to know where to start because we've tried that too. So this episode is basically just about tips and tricks, things that, you know, once you know them, it makes that whole getting out of the gate at the start of the race so much easier. So that's the goal. We just want to share some knowledge that made this process actually doable (laughs) rather than sitting there thinking, I don't know the first thing about getting published, which is where I was a few years ago before I attended the writer's studio with Maria. So I remember having multiple conversations with people before, before we did TWS. Um, that, yes, I'm a writer. Yes, I've written a book or multiple drafts of multiple things. Yes, I want to get published. Uh, No, I have no idea how to do that or where to start doing that or what to look up to even find out what to do to do that. And like, do you just call up a publisher and say, hey, hey, I wrote a book. You want to read it? Like, (laughs) (laughs) please do not do this. Don't do this. I mean, you probably won't get through, but... Probably won't. Or they'll be like, can we redirect you to do this properly if they're really polite? If like they're maybe nice. a Canadian publisher might do that for you. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, publishers don't take unsolicited manuscripts, maybe in very rare occasions, but I've, I've never seen it. Um, you'll need to approach a literary agent first. And if they like your work, they will represent you to the publishers and try and get you a book deal. So agents are incredibly important in traditional publishing. Mm -hmm. So they know the industry um, and it's in their best interest to get you the best deal because they work on commission. So they don't make money unless they make you money and they will protect you from bad situations. Ideally, I'm sure there's some agent horror stories out there that we just haven't heard yet. (laughs) We're going to go with, they're going to protect you. Yeah, we'll we'll get there when we get there. (laughs) Um, Yeah, currently the most that I know about agents is what I read online because... Mm -hmm. You know, finding podcast. an agent. Uh, uh, yeah, other yeah. podcasts. Or I guess conferences too, where you get to hear mm. their wisdom from their own face, which is nice. Yes. Um, but yeah, I find I find most agents by doing one of two things, either doing a general Google search for agents who rep my genre, or, um, and I find this is even better, but quite time consuming, so I don't do it often, but cracking open some of my favorite recent books um, in those genres that I write in or related genres and looking to the acknowledgements page to find out who that writer's agent was. Uh, Because chances are, if I write in the same genre, that agent will be a good fit for me. And I've read something that they've worked on. So that's, you know, bonus point. You can stick that in the query letter and get some brownie points. And that's always, 
always a good thing. Unless on the off chance that the agent actually hates the work that they represent, but that doesn't happen because they're flooded and they only take works that they like. So, you know, yes. let's just get rid of that <laughs> terror for now. But some other ways, um, some other ways that I do use to find them are through like writer's digest posts or interviews or lists and stuff. And that comes through in the Google search. Those are usually some of the first things that pop up. Or I'll look up some literary agencies and comb through the agent's page on their website to see if any of them are a good fit and I bookmark them. If they're not open to queries, then I bookmark them to save them for later. Um, And then Publishers Marketplace is another popular one. Some of it is locked behind a paywall, so it's not always as useful as I wish it was, but there are certain parts that you can access for free. And then if you find it valuable enough, it might be worth, worth paying for it. Um, and you can sign up for the Writer's Digest newsletters as well. And they send, I think, regular updates about literary agents who are looking for books. So they also send all sorts of tips and tricks out anyways. And that can be a really valuable resource. But then once I've researched all these different things and collected all these names and bookmarked them and made sure that they're actually a good fit, um, then I make a massive, you know, central list, a general list. And uh, track them that way. Um, I use a site called Query Tracker and go through the list uh, that I've bookmarked in more detail when I'm actually ready to query them. But that's how I keep track, and I've found that to be the most useful. Yeah, I found Query Tracker to be the most useful part. Um, so I usually set like a broad search criteria, uh, just basically sticking to my genre and then searching and kind of just rolling with it. And then I, I look up each agent. Or I look up the, sometimes there's multiple agents at an agency. So right. I'll look up the agency and then I'll kind of cruise through the those agents and pick yeah. the one that's the best fit. Because mm-hmm. uh, you can only query one agent per agency. Sometimes they'll, you know, they'll share it around or uh, after they've rejected you, you can query someone else at that agency. But it it really depends on the agency and you've got to look up those rules before mm-hmm. you go yeah. ahead and do those yeah. things. Uh, but anyway, so... I also spent a lot of time going through the manuscript wishlist site, and this is a bit time consuming too. Mm-hmm. Um, and I went through and read all their bios and their wish lists, and then I go on Query Tracker and add them to my my query list. <laughs> and so, just a note about the Query Tracker site: um, there's a free and a paid option. So I have the paid option right now; it's twenty five uh, US dollars per year. And you can query agents directly through the site. You don't need the paid option for that. It does help you uh, track your queries and then you can record your rejections and why. uh, And it'll show like what date you queried, um, all this kind of stuff. But it is pretty helpful. And I, I love lists obviously everyone should know that about me by now and so I do enjoy the query tracker for for that feature so you've made the list if you're a list person you like making lists this will help you but now that you have the list you actually have to do something with it (laughs) that's That's you know that's where the work comes in here we go so if you are going to query an agent they seem like a good fit um you want to get their attention for your book what do you need to get started this was a really big research portion before I ever queried for the first time. Um, so I think maybe the most helpful is to go through the things that you'll definitely need to have in order to step into this next part of the the whole publishing journey. You're going to need a completed draft of your book. Um, and this is for fiction authors. For nonfiction, it's a bit different. That's not our expertise, so I'm not going to go into detail on that. If you are a fiction author, you need a completed draft. Um, no half done, no like 
I've mostly got it done. I just haven't written the ending yet. Like none of that. They want it to be done. And if it's not done, that's like a marker for rejection, which, which would really suck. So just finish it first. Um, <laughs> Cause yeah, agents won't want a partially finished manuscript unless you're a nonfiction writer with an appealing following. Essentially, that's kind of the bare bones, as simple as it gets. Um, so you want that completed draft. You also want your list that we've talked about of agents who represent your genre and are open to queries because if they're not open to queries and you send them a query, they'll never read your query and it'll just put a bad mark on your name and, you yeah, know. Don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> really don't do that. Um, and I recommend having a pretty big list before even starting to send things out so that you're not having to scramble to find them every couple days or like you get through your list really fast and then you've run out of run out of energy to try and find more. Yeah. Uh, right. So, I, yeah, I recommend having a big list um, and then several bottles of wine Uh mm -hmm. Trust me on that one. <laughs> and, and a thick skin. So that one's really important. And I think it's fairly self-explanatory. But you have all these things, hopefully. Because then you have to send something to these agents who you don't know. And they're supposed to represent your work, potentially, and tell you that they love it. Um, and if you just shoot off an email with a Word doc attached and say, here's my book, read in a weep. Um, you're probably going to get ghosted. Uh, so <laughs> also don't do that. We're gonna get to that. <laughs> so also don't do that. Um, but yeah, we'll get into a few more basics before we actually talk about, okay, what do you put in the query letter? What do you actually tell these strange people who are supposed to get you into the Mount Olympus of publishing or whatever? So, <laughs> yeah. uh, so I, I would say things that you should definitely have all of the things that Elise listed uh, and a sense of humor. Mm. Uh, so you, you don't want to be crying every time you get a rejection. So try, try and put yourself in a good mental place when you're doing this. Grab that bottle of wine. Uh, yeah, Maybe two. <laughs> whatever helps. And uh, you also need to have attention to detail. I know we all just love that expression. It reminds me of like, like when you're writing resumes, you're like, I have a great attention to detail. And you like <laughs> never forget to do up the fly on your pants. Like, it, it's fine. But like, in this case, you really want to make sure that you're thinking about it. And you need this is a funny one that people also forget a professional sounding email specifically for writing related things. So right. this will help your sanity, uh, having a separate inbox for the rejections. So you're not jumping mm -hmm. every time you get like an invoice to your email, <laughs> you know, <laughs> or like junk mail. You're like, okay, this is specifically for my writing things. And it also looks a lot better to be like, you know, at least Volkman at gmail.com instead of like hubba bubba 69. <laughs> 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 Treat it like a, treat it a little like you're you're going for job interviews because that's kind of what you're doing. Yeah, and uh, you will also need a query letter, synopsis, and an elevator pitch, and the wine. Don't mm. forget the wine. Mm -hmm. And again, when it comes to the attention to details, uh, make sure that you're not rushing through your queries. Yeah. So you want to make sure you get the right name, uh, you're spelling their names correctly, mm -hmm. right emails, right agency that kind of stuff. It's very easy when you're doing a lot of queries and you start to get a little fatigued and you're like, oh, I'm just going to copy and paste this one. Careful, careful. Don't do it. 
Yeah. And if you're still not sure what you're going to need for a query, um, a very easy thing you can do is go on Query Tracker and pick a couple agents and look at their submission form. Mm -hmm. You don't have to actually fill it in. Just mm -hmm. look at it, look at the sections, um, and then you can get an idea of what you need. Yeah. So you'll obviously have to have your draft ready to go. And most of the queries I've had to send, uh, they've asked for like the first five to 30 pages of my work. Yeah. So yep, you got to be kind of ready, have that prepped in like its own Word doc by itself. So you're ready to go. And yeah, that's just, that's a taster of all the things you're going to need. Yeah. <laughs> Next, yeah. we're going to get into how to write that query letter. <laughs> Yay. I was going to say, though, with the, the five to 30 pages of your work. So I, mm. when I query, because that's typically those are the kind of the breakdowns. So I have a few different uh, documents saved up mm -hmm. just to be prepared. So I, I have do as well, yeah. my five my five page sample, my 10 page sample and my 30 page sample. And then like yes. every once in a while, a 50 page sample if they ask for a partial read or something. So. Yeah, um, have it all ready to go and yeah. edit it. Do not send it with spelling mistakes <laughs> formatting errors. Just don't. Uh, uh, yeah. yeah, so yeah, those are it, important. It'll help you in the long run to be prepared. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. But we talk about all these good things. How do you actually write a query letter? How many times have I asked that question over and over and over again? <laughs> I ask it when I'm writing my query letters. Every time? How Every do time. Do this? <laughs> how, do you, how do you revise a query letter? Oh, yeah. Oh. Uh, so yeah. the probably most succinct, uh, concise advice I have heard was from an agent at, uh, Surrey International Writers Conference. Um, I believe his name is Eric Smith and oh, he's the best. He he's is. So he's lovely. Yeah. Check out his Twitter. He's hilarious. Um, but his, his biggest piece of advice or kind of, uh, step-by-step, -step, if you can call it that for writing a query letter was three words, hook, book, and cook. Um, so essentially that's the hook is what's going to draw that agent in about your story. What's going to make them want to read it just from mystery, context, whatever it is you choose to throw in there. The book, obviously a little bit about what you've written. And then the cook, that's you, is a little bit about yourself. Um, so the basics of what you want to include within those three parameters, um, when we're talking about the hook book section, it gets a little bit blurry about which comes first. It depends on kind of how you approach it and what, what your story is about. But in there, you definitely need to have the title of your story. Um, that might be a no brainer, but let's, let's start there. Um, yeah. maybe, maybe don't go with a working title or, uh, still unnamed. Um, no, think of a yeah, title. Just name it. Just, just name, name it. it. It's gotta have a name. Eventually yeah. it might change in the publishing process, but whatever, just Give it a name. It'll serve you in the long run. So title, and then you want your word count in there. How long is it? Because that's going to be important. Um, your genre, because they want to know if they actually read what you're sending to them. Um, <laughs> something that a lot of agents really like is comparative titles. So books that have come out recently that your work is kind of similar to or in the same vein as. Um, it doesn't mean that the story follows all these plot points and it's like Hunger Games versus Divergent. Like not, it doesn't have to be that similar, but um, stories with elements or specific themes or things that are just comparative to what you've written or that have inspired you in the past and those kinds of things. I'm 100% certain that one of the partial read requests I got from an agent was because I put a specific comp title in that she had loved or worked on or something. Oh, that's um, clever. Yeah. Like that. So yeah. it works. It's important. Um, don't just brush it off. Then, uh, I guess the last thing for the book section is the actual, like 
the two paragraphs. You want two shorter paragraphs about the story. Um, but it's really important that you don't give the ending away. Don't give the story away. You're not giving them a synopsis in this section. You're not giving them a summary of the whole thing. You, um, you're trying to hook them. You want them to want to read the book just like you would any reader. So think back cover copy. Um, what a reader picks up in a bookstore and looks at on the back of your book. That's what you're writing. And you don't want to have a bunch of spoilers in there, but you do want to keep them interested, keep them coming back for more. Um, you're trying to hook them. And then the last piece is a short, short paragraph about yourself. And I want to emphasize the word short again, and then emphasize what you put into this section is, um, if you're writing things about yourself, make sure it's as relevant as possible. So that means writing related if possible. If you don't have a following, if you don't, if you haven't been published and all those things, that makes it a little bit tough. But um, you can put in like if you've taken a course on creative writing, that could go mm. in there. Or if you have been in a writing group at all, that can go in there. If you help run a writing group, if you've been a guest on a podcast, or if you've done anything semi-public related to writing to show that you're invested in it that could go in there and like not everything you've ever done like I said this is a short paragraph it's not about you as much as it's about the book but they do want to know a little bit about you to establish kind of like whether it's a good fit or not just like finding an editor is like finding a date finding an agent is like finding a date it's it's the same kind of thing Very so <laughs> yeah you need to talk about yourself but you need to be confident and not arrogant you need to be um, informative but not overwhelming. You don't want to info dump them. Speaking of arrogance, uh, this is not the place to go on a monologue of how your book is the next great thing. So <laughs> agents will not care. You will look like an asshole. <laughs> so don't do that. <laughs> they want to know about your book a little bit about you and that's how they're going to make the decision um you know if they even want to request pages from you or they'll read your pages and then they'll decide um there's nothing like going on about how your book is so great and then they look at your first five pages and you prove yourself wrong Ooh. <laughs> just, just don't do that <laughs> um so we had a, we went to we've been to a few conferences and agents have kind of emphasized how many uh, career letters they get that are sort of like a weird braggy letter that doesn't do anything to sell <laughs> the project to them. Um, it just, they even said it, it makes people look like idiots. So uh, also bear in mind that agents who are open to queries uh, get somewhere between 50 and 200 queries a day. So you are one in the sea of many, uh, which might make you think you need to sell it a little extra hard, but, but don't. Mm -hmm. um, Every agent we've ever listened to at a conference or spoken to has emphasized how much they prefer the steps being followed properly. Yeah. And as I know it's not the same, but as an editor, like I can I can appreciate that a lot <laughs> because what I have on my website, this is how I want your work formatted and this is how I want it to look. Or when I send someone an yeah. email saying, okay, next step is to send me your manuscript and here's how I would like it. And then they don't do that. And they send me every chapter in a separate email or... Oh, um... <laughs> no, that is no. <laughs> nope, nope, nope. So <laughs> please, please follow the rules. They're not there just to um, annoy you. They're not there yeah. just to make your life difficult. I promise. I promise. Um, I didn't think about it too, too hard before I started 
editing professionally. But um, ever since I've started, like just even a minor formatting thing that you don't follow makes the project take that much longer. Um, yes. Because then I have to go in and I have to edit the formatting myself, maybe, if that's how I work. Or I go in and I'm distracted by it all along. And it's just an extra annoyance that makes the person quicker to say no when they're already like they're flooded with requests and they're looking for reasons yeah. to say no. That's the only way they can do their job. So don't do that to yourself, essentially, is what mm -hmm. I'm saying. Don't make it harder yeah. on yourself because you didn't follow one rule. Like, consistency is really important. Um, you can stand out with your writing. That's the part that they care about. That's the part that they mm -hmm. want to see you stand out in. But you don't need to stand out in your formatting because you're not a designer. And designing yeah. the look of the book <laughs> is not your job. Um, yeah, so I just wanted to like throw that in there a little bit. In there. Yeah, you want to be prepared because it, it makes mm -hmm. it makes them know that you're serious about it. Yeah, for sure. That's the thing that I think people forget that like if you roll in there with a badly written query letter that no one's looked at, spelling mistakes, they're gonna go, well, you're obviously not that serious about this, mm -hmm. or you're not willing to put in the work. Mm -hmm. And so why would they want to take on a client who they already can tell right from the query letter that you're going to be incredibly difficult to deal yeah. with? Yep. And if, if you're not willing to follow the rules, it's like, okay, then are you not going to like respond to anything that I ask you to do? Are you not going to yeah, do anything exactly. I want you to do and things that you have to do in order to get published? Like mm -hmm. you're setting yourself up and you need to not For... set yourself up to fail. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> um, it's like going on a date. And you need to date, yeah. like, don't do something stupid that's going to just bite you in the ass later. So <laughs> no I red think, flags. <laughs> yeah. I think we've hammered that home. We can move yeah, on. But I, yeah, I think it's really important to emphasize because like when you're grinding through those query letters and trying to get them all out, it gets exhausting. It is fair yeah. to say it's exhausting. It's a lot of work, especially if you're doing it well and not just copy and pasting to the next guy. Um, and yeah, it can, it can start to feel like, why am I doing this? Why do I have to follow all these stupid rules and they're different for everybody and a yada, yada, yada. But don't, don't shortcut it. Don't yeah, shortcut it. <laughs> so yeah. And that, that applies to the query letter. That also applies to the next item on our list of things that you need. Um, not every agent will ask for this one, but several of them will. Many of them will. And eventually you'll need one, even if the agent doesn't want one you'll need it later down the road, your synopsis. So this is the summary of your entire book. This gives away the ending. Um, it doesn't go into every little nitty gritty detail of your story, but it, it just kind of sets up the main flow of the story from start to finish. Um, and if an agent is asking for a synopsis, they'll typically give a couple, like one or two guidelines if they want something different than usual, if they don't want you to give away the ending, whatever. Make sure you look up the rules for the individual agent and how they want your synopsis done and whether there's a word count and everything. But I'm just gonna go through you the order of attack, the kind of different things that you want to include in there and make sure you have. And then Maria will go through some of the more um, nuanced details after that. But yeah, writing a synopsis, you're setting yourself up for a summary of your book. Um, and this gives away more than the back cover copy would. So um, I was on a website. It's the website for Janet Reed. She's a literary agent. Um, if you want to look it up, it's jetreadliterary.blogspot.com. We'll leave the link in our episode notes like usual. Um, she's 
quite well known, I think, for critiquing query letters, and she is a literary literary agent, so I would say she knows what she's talking about. Um, so she had kind of a little write-up on how to do a synopsis, and I thought it was very helpful because I have struggled struggled much over these <laughs> over the years. They're not as easy as they sound. <laughs> no, they're um, just as bad, if not worse, than writing a query letter for me. Yeah. They're they're brutal. So not to scare you off. Um, <laughs> But if you have kind of a gameplay, uh, they're doable, I promise. I've done a couple. It's worked out. It's okay. So order of attack. This is what I was actually trying to say. You want to start <laughs> in your first couple lines with the setup. Setup of the story. Where do we begin? And then you want your inciting incident and the goal of the story to come in next. Um, you don't need to go into all the details of this main character is related to this person and they have this best friend over here and that best friend down there and they own three cats and they love their dog and they want to be an astronaut. Like, you don't need all those things unless they're completely relevant to the storyline. Um, you just need a basic setup of who's in the story, like who's driving the story, where are they, what's the kind of climate of the system they live in, and uh, and then inciting incident and goal. What happened to make the story become interesting and where is it trying to go? Um, and then you can take it through the first, the main three plot points. So your first plot point, your mid kind of point of the book, and then your third one before you reach the, um, the darkest moment. I have some people call this the, what is it? The dark night of the soul or the black moment. Or mm -hmm. if you're following some kind of story structure, it's that moment where everything is just, it seems hopeless. Um, and that's typically right before you reach the climax. So you include that in your synopsis next. Um, what's that big event just before the ending that resolves, upsets, and makes a tornado out of everything. And then your resolution. That's it. That's the end. You don't need to go into the denouement. You don't need to talk about your ex-cousin twice removed that, I don't know, poisoned your cat when you were a kid. But that happened well before the story started, so no one cares about it anyway. Like... You don't need the uh, <laughs> the nitty gritty, the, nitty -gritty, the yeah. um, superfluous details. Uh, you just mm -hmm. need the basic bare bones. It's basically following the outline of the story. That's maybe yes. a very quick way of saying everything I just said. Follow the if, outline. If you're an outliner, the synopsis is probably you'll probably a shine. For you. Yeah, but for the rest of us, uh, people who can't outline to mm -hmm. save their life. Uh, the synopsis is quite difficult because you have to do it after the fact. So yeah. um, if anyone remembers those fun book reports you had to do in grade school, that's kind of what you're doing for your synopsis. Sure. <laughs> it's the closest comparison that I could come up with. Yeah. So um, I usually go about like I write the write down the bare bones of what happens, um, kind of like how I'd write a work email. So super to the point, no flowery language, nothing like that. Uh, and then once I've got the bare bones, I can add if needed. So synopsis, they range anywhere from like six to 800 words, depending on the agent and sometimes the genre. Um, less is definitely more when it comes to a synopsis. Uh, the more you can trim it down, the better. And if you're still kind of stuck on how to make it work, um, just remember these things. You can do this in point form. So you want to hit your your major beats. So what are your main characters? What are they after? What stops them from getting it? How does it end? Nice. Write that all out and then start to piece it together till it kind of flows. Check your word count. And if you're over the six to 800 words, start cutting the extra words, mm -hmm. the lines, flowery language you might have snuck in there because we're writers and it mm -hmm. happens. <laughs> it happens to the best of us. 
And if you're still struggling or if you've never written a synopsis before and you just want to practice, um, write a synopsis for like your favorite book, like the one that you mm. know, like inside out, like Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Something <laughs> 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 that you just know so well. And uh, write the whole thing and then look at it like if someone asked you what happened in that book from beginning to end, but you only had a couple minutes to tell them about mm. it. How would you break it down and tell mm. them the main Nice. So those are my tips, basically. Nice. I like it. I like it a lot. I think your tips are more helpful and more succinct than mine because you're looking at the notes too, right? So when I think about synopsis, I'm just, I'm going to be really relatable for a second here, okay? You could be helpful and I'll be relatable. That's, okay. that's how this is going to go. So synopsis tips from Elise. Step one, cry. <laughs> Never cry. skip step one. Never always skip cry. step one. You just always got to start that. You got to get it out because it's going to come. And if you don't want it to hit you when you don't want it to hit you. So just, you know, settle down and feel your feel and just like step into step one and just cry it out. OK, it's, it'll be healthy. It'll be good for you. Step two, um, send Maria sobbing messages, begging for help. Yeah. Beg you someone for that. help. I will yeah. Yeah, send them all to Maria. Um, definitely not your own best friend who you send all your writing stuff to. Just Maria specifically because, you know, she'll solve all your problems. That's why she's going to do the helpful synopsis tips. problems. I'm yeah. good at synopsis. No, synopsis. all of them. Did you know I signed you up to solve all of my problems? Not just the synopsis oh, good. Ones. Yeah, okay. I'm okay with that. <laughs> okay. I only have like three friends, so I got room. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> I don't feel like I'm taking up too much time then. Yeah, uh, no, step one, a... cry. Step two, send Maria all of your grief. Step three, wait. Just take a breather. It'll help you, I promise. You know, that's my helpful tip. There it is, okay? <laughs> step three, take a breath. Step four, cry some more. Step five, repeat. See, I told you. This... <laughs> my my synopsis tips are horrible because I hate writing these, okay? Um I do find this one of the hardest parts of the whole mm -hmm. writing get published thing for me personally. Um, and querying is hard enough. Like yeah. trying to trying to sell yourself and market yourself. I, mean, I say this, my job title at my day job is marketing assistant. Trying to market your, <laughs> your own stuff. It's is, different when it's yourself though. I know. Like, it's much more oh, difficult. <laughs> man, it's hard. And synopses are so much worse. But okay, my two biggest real tips, because no, I'm not gonna just leave you with a list of misery. Not this time. Not this time. Maybe <laughs> next time. Book two of the Nymph Keepers, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, okay, with the synopsis, this is where I find it helpful to have an outline. Like Maria said, you're working with an outline of your story. You're just adding a little bit more nuance and context so that the agent can follow and read it and make sense of it. Ideally, I've put together an outline after I've written my completed draft, and I have that. Um I've gone back and made a note of all the relevant beats. And um, that's why it's also really crucial to keep the ending, the end goal of the story firmly in mind, because you need that to be in your synopsis too. And if it's not in there, and if it's if there's no clear goal from beginning to end, that's going to come out when you try to write the synopsis, because that's kind of the whole yeah. point. Um, <laughs> and then some relevant and important plot points. How do they consistently point the reader towards that ending, towards that end goal? And similar to writing the first draft of your novel, with the synopsis, I find it helpful to have that ending in mind as I'm sitting down to be like, okay, I have to write my story now in 300 words or less. Because if I give myself a 500 word deadline, um, I'll go to a thousand. So I have to give myself 300 so that I stop at 800. 
Um, <laughs> That's a good strategy. And then beyond that, I really lean heavily on the workshopping side of things. I know Maria's really good at cutting words because she writes those skinny drafts. And um, this saves my life whenever I have to write a synopsis because... <laughs> I maybe fibbed a little. I give myself that 300 word deadline and I still end up with 1500 words and then I send it to Maria and cry again. And um, I just hack at it until it's right at the, at the word count. I actually love to edit your synopsis. Like, really? I like it, yeah. I'm like, okay, I got lots to work with. <laughs> cut, cut, cut. <laughs> it's fun. I love it. Okay, perfect. Um, but yeah, get... A couple of people, a handful of people, ideally more than one person, because that's always going to help you more. Um, have them read your query and your synopsis. Um, pick some people who have read your book and some people who know nothing about your book, especially for the synopsis, to make sure it makes sense. Someone who's never read your book, that's going to be your agent. So, you know, it's a decent comparison. And then get them to give you their feedback. And um, does your letter, does your synopsis make, make them want to read the whole thing? Does it draw them in? Does it intrigue them? Does it not? And why? And that's going to be infinitely more helpful than hitting your head against the wall. <laughs> repeatedly. <laughs> <Over and over. laughs> yeah. And if someone reads your synopsis, like someone who hasn't read your story, you've just given them the synopsis. If they're confused, like this is a really easy place for you to be like offended. You're like, what do you mean you're confused? It's so clear <laughs> that this happens. Just like they're confused because you, you've made a mistake somewhere. You've got to go yeah. back and fix it and make yeah. it so that the people reading it can understand like the main parts mm -hmm. of the story. Mm -hmm that are there and make sense of it. So it is good. Yeah, definitely have people who have never read your story, read your synopsis and then have people that like workshopped your story, read the synopsis because <laughs> I have sent my synopsis to Elise and she has been like, what about when this happened? And I'm like, oh, oh yeah, no. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Um, sentence. Um, so yeah, that's why you got to get some eyes on it too. It's just like with your with your manuscript. Like you want, mm -hmm. you get that workshop and ready to go. You should do the same for your query and your synopsis. It's Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Okay. We've talked about what to do. We've given you all the tips that we have in our arsenal. But it does not end there. Oh no. Because... I think almost more important sometimes than the to-do tips, the list, the checklist, the things that you want absolutely to check off. Almost more important than that are the things to not do. <laughs> because you can still check off all those boxes and then do a bunch of things that you shouldn't have done. So we're going to go over some of those. Um, not to put the fear of God into your heart. This is not meant to like terrorize people. I just want a <laughs> disclaimer. Yes, things can go wrong. No, it's not as bad as it sounds. Yes, it's hard. No, it's not hell on earth or misery. We just are writers. So we're a little dramatic, just, yeah. just a little dramatic about things. <laughs> okay, it's a gift. I need it. Um, <laughs> so what not to do in the querying process as a whole? We're not going to break this down into the individual sections. I think we've covered that. Um, mm -hmm. But in general, I'll start. I'll keep mine as brief as I can. And then Maria <laughs> will once again add some nuance to this conversation. Because I'm just going to give you straight up rules, okay? I like rules and lists like of rules, rules yeah. right? They're easy to follow. It's like, yeah, I can do that. It's worded clearly and concisely, and I can follow them. So for all you rule book people out there, do not spell an agent's name wrong. Mm -hmm. I mean, if anything, just 
don't do it for your own peace of mind. Because the one time yeah. I did, I was just mortified. It was awful. Yeah. I had a horrible day. It's like, I just realized it after I pressed send too. It was like, oh no. Oh no. <laughs> I hate it when people spell my name wrong. Sent. Oh yes. Right? Story of my life. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So I know how it feels. And I know the agent's just like flooded with work and looking for reasons to say no. And like, oh, they spelled my name wrong. <laughs> nope. Yeah. That's what I would do. Cause I'm petty. So, you know, expect the worst don't spell their name wrong um don't forget to put their name in the email like it's really important to have that personal touch um it's like just yelling hey you in a crowded square we don't want to do that actually use their name spell it right you know yeah and then maybe the bigger one is don't take things personally because they don't know you you don't know them they're flooded with work you're desperate to get published it's just it's not personal it's just business literally like that's not meant facetiously um <laughs> you, you don't need to take a rejections and assume that means your work is bad either because like I said I keep saying this they're just looking for reasons to say no and they have too many things to choose from most of the time that's what it sounds like so it's not personal it's not it's most likely not that your work is bad it's most likely just I don't know not right for them they're not in the mood for it that day they just had a flood of the exact same genre come through their inbox and they found one they liked and now they want something else they want a palette cleanser and yours is not that and you know what it probably happens to a lot of people this is a lottery draw remember so um mm -hmm. there's a human a human behind that screen yeah that you're querying exactly <laughs> likes exactly. and dislikes and things like that mm -hmm. too and their likes and dislikes can change from day to day and we yeah. all have the right to do that so um, don't take it personally. Um, and then don't copy paste your letter, your query letter to 30 different agents at one time and send them all. Um, because then when you do like I do and notice that you spelt an agent's name wrong, you have a heart attack and keel over and die until tomorrow. Um, <laughs> or you realize you put the same name in like 30 query letters and they're all Ooh. wrong. Eh, don't want to do that. Don't send out no. big batches. I mean, you blew 30 chances. Yeah. And that's, that's, what that's a lot of work to, you know, mm -hmm. get back up to. Don't send them all at once. Like be slow and methodical. This is not a sprint. It's a marathon. Publishing is not a sprint. You got to conserve your energy and you got to be careful. Um, and if you want to get an agent's attention in the sea of options, you got to personalize each letter a little bit. So I can typically do about five queries in one sitting before I don't have any energy to do anymore. That doesn't blow my whole day away or anything like that, but it's just, it's a certain kind of thinking and processing. And after five, I'm done. I need to do something else and take a break um, and maybe come back to it later in the day. But that's about as many as I can do because I'm hunting down what do these people like what do they read mm -hmm. am i similar to that am i a good enough fit and trying to personalize it each time and then i guess this is a final one and it's kind of subjective depending on your situation but it's a general rule i have for myself that i don't edit my manuscript after getting a rejection i don't do that i don't touch it because as i said these are subjective personal opinions that may have absolutely nothing to do with my work and everything to do with the circumstances around my email and that has nothing to do with the story. So um, do not take rejections to mean that there's something wrong with your work until you get some straightforward, tangible feedback from a couple of sources, which may never happen. Um, mm -hmm. Because a lot of agents don't give feedback because they're just... They're too busy. They're too busy. And you won't yeah. hear what they actually think about your book until you get accepted. Or if you're at this point in the querying process, then you might want to take a look at editing again. If you've queried at least like 80 to 100 agents 
with no requests for more info, for a partial read, for a full read, um, with no steps forward. If you've just gotten a bunch of rejections and been ghosted and you've done like 80 to 100 queries, okay, then you can consider editing, rewriting, or trying something else. Um, but until that point, I, I really don't recommend editing too much because yeah. it's too easy, especially like, no, okay. I should catch that. I recommend not editing right after getting rejections because it's way too easy mm -hmm. to be emotional about it and think, oh, my work is terrible and I have to change everything because it all sucks. And that's just not true. Yeah, you could cut some really good stuff mm -hmm. in that kind of mental mm -hmm. place. You should definitely, like we always, this is, I feel like some of our main advice is to take some time away from yes. it and then, you know, come back to it when yes. you're in the right frame of mind. It's going to make a big difference. Yeah. Um, and so my little list of don'ts, I agree with all of the leases, of course, uh, don't ignore the agent's requests. Mm -hmm. So if they specifically don't read your genre or don't read stories like yours, don't query them. Your book could be amazing, but not for that agent, you know, and don't be discouraged. Like Lee said, rejections are tough to deal with, but when you think about it, so many of those best-selling authors were rejected multiple times before they signed with anybody. So Think about that as well, right? It's not all smooth sailing. Um, don't ignore the guidelines for queries. So if they ask the first five pages, only send the first five pages. If you if you say this sentence I'm about to say, if you say, but the story doesn't get going until page 10, have I got news for you, my friend, you need to start your story on page 10 <laughs> or mm -hmm. page nine, okay? Yeah, that calls for Never, revision. Don't do that. People, people <laughs> will do that. They'll be like, I sent you 10 pages because it doesn't get good until this point. Well, then yeah. why, if you know it doesn't get good till that point, why are you sending me the other nine pages of crap? <laughs> so think about that really mm -hmm. hard before you do that mm -hmm. um, <laughs> and fix it before you start querying. Yep. So. Uh, I found agents where I've been like, they are the perfect agent for me. Like they even love dogs. Okay. It's like dating websites. Yeah. Like, they sound great. Uh, yeah. But they don't like portal stories. And I wrote a portal story. Do I still query them? No. Doesn't matter if I think we're freaking soulmates, but if my story is not mm -hmm. on their wish list or something that they, they will have a list of things that they will not accept. Yeah. And if what you wrote is in that list, do not query them. Mm -hmm. Um, and the sad thing is out of those 50 to 200 queries they get a day, willing to bet a good percentage of those people didn't read their requirements. So don't be one of those people. And if an agent is closed for queries, they are closed for queries. Even if your book is the perfect fit, that's just too damn bad. Mm -hmm. You have to wait till they open for queries again, and then you can query them. This happened to me with my last one. And I swear if I had been able to query her, she would have really liked it. But she was not open for queries and I did not overstep the boundary and send it to her anyway. Mm -hmm. So when you're reading um, agent guidelines and things like that, you're reading for understanding. What they're telling you is not a suggestion. Yeah. That is their rules. Don't break them. You don't want to give yourself a bad name in this industry before you even get started. There and there it is. I was just going to yeah. add a plug for like, you are posturing yourself for the future in this situation. And yes. if you find an agent that seems like a good, really good fit for uh, something you're working on, but they're closed for queries, you send them one anyway, they delete it, but they remember your name. It could happen. Yeah. Especially if you have a unique name like me, uh -huh. they'll remember you. Oh, right. <laughs> and then you write something else and you try to query them again and they remember your name. Chances are 
they're not going to read that one either. So don't set yourself up to fail by ignoring the rules because yeah. it's a lottery. On the other side of it, if you query an agent and they reject you, but you followed all their rules, you laid out everything just like you were supposed to. And then a year later, you query them with a different project and they remember you. Mm -hmm. They're going to be like, oh, I remember reading that. And I didn't ultimately choose it, but I'm going to, they'll, they'll I'll give see. your work a little more consideration because they've already heard from you and they remember you. Yeah. So that's the kind of impression you want to leave. Mm -hmm. um, this is not the time to be a rebel. <laughs> no. <laughs> just sadly, it's true. <laughs> yeah. You want to stick out, but you don't want to stick out like a sore thumb. Yeah, absolutely. So, yes. And that's okay. That's a whole lot of rules and regulations and it can get yeah. pretty dreary and pretty discouraging. But um, I don't know. This is this is the one thing that we always say to kind of pick ourselves up, dust ourselves off and keep going. Uh, celebrate. This kind of takes mm -hmm. us to the to the end of this whole thing. We've given you our tips. But our biggest one, I think our last one is to celebrate. Celebrate every single step of this journey. Um, every query that you send is a milestone. You have taken a step further than so many people do and you've written a book and you've finished it, first of all. And then you've done mm -hmm. the research and you've gotten to this point where you're actually trying to physically publish it with a publisher. And how many people are too afraid to do that? Probably a lot. Yeah. So every query that you send is worth celebration. Every rejection that you receive, this is how I handle rejections, every rejection you receive is a milestone. It is worth celebration. It is worth saying, I sent that letter out there and it got noticed and someone took it and replied to it, even if it's just a generic, you know, standard reply. It got a reply, it got attention. I took that step. I didn't just tuck my finished manuscript away in a drawer and pretend it didn't exist. I actually sent it out. Like, I took that extra step. And that's worth celebration. And I think especially the rejections, every single one is proof that you've taken this dream a step further than many ever do. And so many people just never finish. I can't get over this. So many people never finish writing yeah. a draft. They never finish that book. How many drafts do I have that are unfinished? And people stop there. And I mean, if they even start the story in the first place, because some people have this idea and they're like, oh, I've always wanted to write a book, but they never write the book. So the mere fact that people are querying and they've written a book is massive. And that's worthy of celebration. Pop a bottle of yeah. champagne after every rejection if that's what you got to do to keep going because you got to keep going. You got to keep a going. Descend, descend into alcoholism. <laughs> nah, <laughs> just just disclaimer. We have a lot of disclaimers yeah. here. I don't support don't, that don't lifestyle. Very during a sober October. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So like my parting advice, I suppose, is, is um, don't overload yourself. Mm -hmm. So like Elise touched on earlier, uh, she gets to about five queries before she's done for the day. And I'm around, I'm about the same. Like there's some days where I'm really on it and maybe I'll get like eight. Mm -hmm. And there's some days where I send one and I'm like, man, that was exhausting. So, you know, space out your queries, take your time. And I know stay positive, but really do <laughs> try and, and stay positive because you're really chasing a dream like most of us don't write because uh, it's going to make us a lot of money right mm -hmm. we write because we have stories to tell and things we want to share and so just remember that that's more important it sounds like a silly like <laughs> 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 saying you'd like put on your wall like motivational poster oh, but yeah. uh, it's true and mm -hmm. I like to tell myself that even though I was rejected like someone actually read this work and considered it before they mm -hmm. rejected it and maybe they liked it a lot 
but yeah. it didn't work for them, yeah. right? So I'll lie and tell myself that they all loved it. They just couldn't <laughs> fit it on their list. It doesn't matter. Whatever gets you through the brain tricks, the whole experience. Yeah. And uh, that's a good feeling, you know? And that's the tea on where to start if you want to get published the traditional way. All links will be in the show notes and you can reach us anytime at theteagrannies at gmail.com or follow us at theteagranniespodcast on Instagram. Please rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. It's time to put the kettle on. We'll see you again in two weeks. Happy writing.